and we are off to the movies here in episode five of A Better Mind. Welcome in. I'm your host, Rob Moreno. You can catch me on social medias at the Robio. And this week, I've got Brian Ortega on the pod, and he is a big-time movie lover, and he uses that love to bet the Oscars. Yes, the awards. That is a real market that can be bet on. And man, I realized I had a lot to learn when it came to betting the movies, but Brian Ortega is the guy to talk to because he talks about how he turned that passion into profit. So check us out, grab your snacks, and get ready. Let's get it going. And the award for the first NFL owner to appear on a Better Mind podcast is my guy, Brian Ortega. Brian, thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank you. I took a lot of time out of my very busy day not doing anything Packers-related, but I found out that the Packers owner's department was ranked A, not A+, but A, uh, through the NFL, um, uh, I guess, what do you call it, uh, voting, the player awards. So we'll take it. We'll take it. You're welcome. Yeah, congratulations to you and the, I think it's only a couple other Packers owners out there. Um, <laughs> Just a few. But on that A, <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a Chargers fan, and they got graded in an F, so... So props to you. I don't know what I don't know what they're doing over there. <laughs> yeah, we're really really hands off in the owners department in the Packers. But it's, um, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here on the Better Minds podcast. Which I love your stuff. Love the stuff with JVT. So that was great. Thanks, man. Yeah, he was he was a fun fun guy to get to know, and I'm looking forward to this because you know what? It's award season out here in the movie world, and that's your niche. And we're gonna get into that. But first, I want to rewind it back a little bit, Brian. Let us know where you're from, how you landed here in Vegas, and what you're doing now. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Arizona, which I'm from Tucson, Arizona, which everybody's goal is to get out of Arizona, so or out of Tucson specifically. So I got accepted to UNLV, where I went to school for journalism and media studies, which I was there for, I think, five years. I don't think I set the record for amount of time at university, but it took a while. But uh, I went to university for journalism. I ended up becoming um, kind of different, fun, odd jobs before I became a producer at VSIN or DraftKings. Uh, and that's where I sit today. So I've done everything from being a tour guide to a concierge. And even before that, I've always had this love of movies and television. So it's kind of nice that I'm still doing part of that in terms of journalism. So really happy about where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, that's very cool. I mean, yeah, I love... When you arrived at VEASAN, you had this passion for movies that I haven't seen in a lot of uh, people in a long time. <laughs> you know, I studied TV and oh, yeah. film also, so it, it was like, it, it was fun to, to have you around. It's fun to talk movies with you. Um, but, so you mentioned you've been a concierge here in Las Vegas, and Las Vegas is the city of entertainment. I just got to know, what what's your perspective of the city being a concierge here. I mean, you saw things that I've, you've told me stories and they're stories I don't even believe, but what was it like being a concierge out here in this city out of all the cities? Oh, it's fantastic. Um, you do learn that not a lot of movie stars actually do visit here, which is kind of the funny thing about it. Um, it's a lot of sports stars, which is good for the business that we're in. And especially I was a concierge before we even had a sports team. So when the Aces came in, that was a huge deal. Then the Golden Knights was an even bigger deal. And then when the, when the Raiders got here, it was sort of a big deal, but we had kind of already sort of had our, our gateway drug, if you will, for, with the hockey team. So um, it's become a really sports mecca, but... When I was a concierge, it was very different. It was before COVID, so we had a lot more um, perks. So we were able to go to shows. We went to dinners every once in a while. We had cool get-togethers. So with that, you were able to kind of experience what the life of a 
like a high roller would be in Vegas, but without actually having to spend high roller money. Um, the biggest high roller thing we probably were able to do was go to nightclubs and do, we basically went to a nightclub for 20 bucks. That's essentially what it was. We just had to tip the cocktail waitress and that was it. So it was actually one of those fun perks that you got to experience without actually having to earn it, which is, you know, it's, it has its perks, like they say. Um, but it was fun. Um, and I still do concierge stuff uh, through my podcast, Concierge Confidential, which you can find on any podcast platforms, um, which is I'm always happy that when people come to me and they say, hey, I'm going to do this with my girlfriend or my wife, I am the point person to whether it's a, it's a good idea or not. So I'm glad I'm still that person in the, in the control room. Oh, you are absolutely the – I mean, even – People having conversations about what to do in Las Vegas when you're not around, the conversation goes to like, well, has Brian said anything about this place? We should ask Brian sure. when he comes in. <laughs> you're the guy. You're no. the concierge. And I mean, what, 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 what are some? What's one favorite moment as being a concierge that you have that just is that memory? Because when you came in, I mean, it's not like it was just a job to you. Like you could tell you had a pride in being a concierge in this city. And so what's what is it that pulled you to have that pride as being a concierge in this town? Yeah, I think being a concierge is very different than working like the front desk, which everybody kind of gets confused every once in a while because some places it is the same job, especially if you go to like L.A. or New York where you're in a high-end area. It is kind of the same job. But in Vegas, we really specialize in doing the fun parts. So we're really in charge of creating and crafting your experience while you're in Las Vegas. So basically, concierge, if you are coming up to us and you don't have any plan – that's fun. It's a little hectic for us, but we get to sort of craft your experience. And even if you're actually coming beforehand, you give us a call on the phone or you send us an email, we are actually beginning the process of creating your entire vacation sometimes. Uh, I mean, one time I planned an entire woman's vacation who was from England, and she wanted to do a tour every single day that she was here. She spent the most money at one time of anybody else that I've ever had, and she spent over $10,000. She spent close to $14,000 on just tours. Um, I wouldn't say that's my, my favorite thing that I ever did just because I, they just spent the most money. But one of the more fun things I did, I arranged a little person for a birthday party uh, with like two days notice, which is a very rare request. So it was it was a very like tame thing. It was nothing crazy. But um, somebody walked up and said, I want a little person for a birthday. I want them to come out, sing happy birthday and take some pictures. And I was able to put that together in about like four hours. It was actually a very short, short time frame. But we always tell people that uh, nothing's impossible in Vegas, but the impossible might take, you know, a little bit more than usual. But yeah, that's fun. But I do want to say, from the stories I've heard from you, and I've heard, and I've heard that story, is that you, you guys were like saving people's trips or just making those memories yeah. that are just absolutely ridiculous requests that I've heard you put together. And so, yeah, they may take time if you call a concierge out here, but hey, four hours to put together that kind of birthday party, not that bad, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. No, so, we get a lot of, uh, hey, I forgot it was Valentine's Day. Or, hey, I forgot it was our anniversary and I forgot to make reservations. What would you recommend? That's, that's like bread and butter to us. That's like we, we are all, hopefully, romantics in concierging because you are having to basically experience through someone else. So, yeah, definitely. It's great. You're saving families and marriages everywhere, man. All, so good for you. <laughs> so Thank you. you do host an amazing podcast called Concierge Confidential where it just, man, if you need, if you have any questions about Las Vegas, that's what to listen to. And I was just listening to your recent one and you were talking about resort fees and I couldn't agree more as you were like, I was driving around listening to you and I'm like, 
yeah why are i didn't know we paid for notaries or like landlines yeah. <laughs> oh yeah it's crazy i mean the thing the, yeah landline was a huge deal and then also like going to the gym so you would always be ready for somebody to tell you i don't use any of those things and then all you could say is well, you have to pay for them anyways. But I just think the answer to all of this would be, hey, this covers parking. I think that would like eliminate half of the like general questions and you'll be fine. I think it'd be, just be good. But yeah, notaries is a weird one. We, we, we did offer that because one of our supervisors, you can go and become a notary and you can charge for it if you want. So Rob, if you need a second job becoming a notary, um, you can charge like 25 bucks you know, a mile if you really wanted to. Hey, I'm all, I'm all about that. That side, that side hustle. So we'll yeah, talk after. For sure. <laughs> but so before we get off your, your the concierge train, uh, I have family in town today, and we have booked. I want to know if you've been to this restaurant. We have booked a reservation at Chica, which is at Venetian. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Do you, have you heard good things or not? Am I doing? Am I making a mistake tonight? No, it's fantastic, Rob. So I actually I have been to Chica. I actually used to know the uh, the chef that used to be there. He was the uh, executive chef. Um, because then they had like an actual like owner chef, but he no longer works. So he works at, I believe stations as their executive chef for their whole corporate sort of structure. But anyways, back to Chica, very good choice. They do a lot of Latin American cuisine. So it's not specifically Mexican. So they do stuff from Cuba. They have a little bit of Chilean stuff in there. So they they obviously have Mexican cuisine as well. So it's the whole sort of realm. So you're definitely going to be able to find something you like. They have an octopus on the menu that some people really enjoy. They have a really good steak on the menu as well for anybody who's a little bit more straightforward and then you have to get especially if it's a group you have to get the flaming skull which is the uh, chocolate dessert at the end where they light a big giant skull on fire which is sort of like a trend now but they kind of started it and uh, if you want to okay. check it out you can check it out on my tiktok page which is at keys to vegas or uh concierge confidential underscore lv and we have a video of chica so check that out before you go and you can decide what drink or what food you want thanks there Robbie. we just go let me right into that Boom. Thank you. No, thank you. Because now I have, For sure. I have proof as to why this restaurant is going to be good. So I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, no, you guys are really like it. And then after you guys can go to a, Ju- a Juliet, which is right around the corner. But that's a, it's a cocktail bar. So you can do that after. It's a school night. We'll see. It's a work night. Oh, okay. It's never city, never sleeps. That is true. And so it's time to get a little fancy here. We're going to talk right. betting because it is a better mind. But you entered the space differently than most of my other guests so far. You know, you're not, you know, I know you bet other things. You've bet the NFL. I know you and your dad go in on bets and, you know, it's fun talking to you about that. But but specifically, you have a background in the ponies. You love horse racing. And when you first got to VEASAN, I remember you putting together the Kentucky Derby special. So how did you, how, how did you get into that? Because let me, I'm just going to be honest. Usually when I run into people that are into horse racing, they're not your age. Not at all. And I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not as into it as maybe some of our uh, professional handicappers are, but I know the ecosystem that is horse racing and horse racing betters. Uh, they're very, they, you know, some of them take it very serious. Some of them, it's a lot of like learned skills where you're just doing it for a very long time. A lot of it's just learning how to read the book. That's sort of like the net. The, it's funny because that's sort of what you think the first thing you would learn, but most people just go to the track and pick a number. But really learning the book, learning how to read the book is the next level thing to do other than like learning how to make a bet. So um, a lot of it is just, 
I, I tell people the best way to get into it is find somebody who's really into it or, you know, semi into it and then start asking questions and they'll get you along the right way. Uh, but yeah, it's really, really fun. I really enjoy doing the Kentucky Derby specials just because it's not, it's sort of like the Oscars, which we'll get into later. It's more about than just the actual horse racing. There is a goal, which is betting on the winner of the Kentucky Derby, but so much around it is built up about, you know, the, the prerequisite races, the, um, winning your in races, and then the actual betting itself, win, play, show, exactas, trifectas. So it's one of those things where it's highly specialized, you know, in, in these, in, in these terms, but it's it's unique so it's one of those things where not everybody's doing it and i think that's really important in the sports betting space where you want to jump into things that not everybody is an expert in everybody can do football but it's really hard to do horse racing and and then other things like ufc for example which is getting much bigger though but uh that's definitely a specialized piece for sure yeah it's crazy because horse racing has been around a very long time it's actually been in way more states than sports betting <laughs> was yeah. a, a, oh. at least a while back but you're right it's still its own niche thing and you're not going to find a lot of traditional sports betters also doing horse racing so it's always fun finding those niche things and i think you know something i've talked about in past episodes is having a dedicated niche that you focus on when it comes to improving your betting uh your sports yeah. betting you know for me i used to spread it all around now i'm just focused on ufc a little bit of tennis also and it's and I'm able to improve in those markets. And for you, something that you've been really just honed in over, over the last few years, you've written at VEASAN, at DraftKings for it, um, is the Oscars award season. We're talking movies now. And, you know, it's weird to call it sports betting because it's not sports, but you do bet on the Oscars. And it's I don't think it's a market everybody knows is actually a real thing, not just, you know, in other places afar. Sure. No, yeah. like And, and really, it's it's become more popular as we've had legalized sports betting in, and it's as we've expanded. So right when we started, uh, when Passport was passed, we didn't really have sport, you know, we didn't have betting on the Oscars right at the top of the mind. It was just figuring out how do we get into all these markets. Now we're in so many markets now. I think we're up to like 35 or 36 different markets uh, that you can bet in. Uh, not Nevada, though, unfortunately. Uh, but they've actually expanded it. It used to, it used to be that the Oscar odds would, were just sort of like for fun, just sort of trying to figure out who would win. But now it's a little bit more serious where you can bet on, you know, the big categories, best actor, best picture, which is fine. But as somebody who follows the Oscars, those are actually like the, the weakest, <laughs> the weakest uh, markets to jump into just because we kind of know who's going to win. So you have to look down the list and they've actually, I think last year was the first time that DraftKings offered the entire list of possible nominees. I think we have 23 different categories that you can bet on. Well, that there wow. are 23 different categories. And you can bet on all of them, uh, which is so good for me because then you get to start getting into costume design and production design, which are markets that I don't think odds makers know how to attack. They just kind of look at the data and they let the data tell them what to do. And you kind of have to get in early. It's one. It's the best way I can equate Oscar betting is to awards betting. So betting on like MVP or Heisman Trophy, um, you have to get in early, which this year or this past year, 2023, they opened up the market in June, which is really great because that's when um, Oppenheimer came out in July. So we were able to figure ah. out, you know, get in early on these big sort of awards movies before they hit movie theaters, which that's where I believe my specialty is, is you are trying to forecast who is going to win in basically a year from that year from now, which everybody jokes at me, but that's when you got to get in. 
hey, that's where your passion is crucial. I mean, hey, I'm sure I talk about the UFC in the control room sometimes, and it's like, here we go again. But, you know, your passion for movies is that similar thing. And I, and I guess that's something I didn't know. So when does the calendar work for the Oscars? Sure. So basically right now, um, you can't vote for the Oscars now for, for 2025. But once your movie comes out in 2000, we're in 2024. In 2024, it could be January 1st. Um, it is eligible for the 2025 Oscars. So it's a calendar year, basically, okay. from January 1st to December 31st. There are a couple rules and stipulations that you have to meet, but that's essentially the rules. Um, typically, Oscar season, when movies t- tend to come out, is during the fall. So usually about October, November, December is sort of that money time, but it's getting earlier and earlier. Like we saw this year, Oppenheimer came out in July, And the year before that, Everything Everywhere All at Once came out in March or April, which is extremely early. So there's different there's different ways that we are now figuring out how to the Oscars go forward about release dates. And we talk about it all the time and just very interesting. So you kind of have to know what movies are coming out like right now. So right now, just sort of set it out right now for next year, Dune Part Two. We haven't even had the Oscars for 2024 yet, and Dune Part 2 comes out on March uh, 2nd or March 1st, I believe March 1st, and it's already being hailed as probably the Oscar winner for next year. So you're always kind of looking ahead to forecasting and all this other stuff. So it's it's really exciting for sure. So how do you see, like, because I remember when Oppenheimer was getting closer, and obviously there was the you know double feature Barbie Heimer that, hey, we were both excited for. <laughs> but... Oh, yeah. How do you how do you recognize something? You know, is it because Christopher Nolan's attached to it? What is it about a film that before it's even out, like Dune Part Two, like you're talking about, that is already attracting this? And as a better, like, how do you start spotting those trends start forming together? Yeah, definitely. So you have to think of pedigrees. So you have to know, like, okay, Christopher Nolan, he's going to have a big movie. It has the lead up to it. It has all these actors. It has Killian Murphy. It has. Um, it has Matt Damon and has Florence Pugh, who's a big deal in you know, the film world. Um, it has all these big, huge actors. So you have all of sort of this, sort of like a bomb, sort of coming together to sort of explode. And it was also part of the, the, the phenomenon that was Barbenheimer, where it actually helped each other. Everybody thought, like, is this going to take money away from this one? Is this one going to outshine this, this film? And a lot of it, you have to take a lot of it into account that are they a part of the Academy? Have they won an Academy Award before? Are they of that pedigree that gets nominated for Academy Awards? So does it have sort of that, that, uh, that gravitas that you're looking for for an Oscar film? So it really is a lot of different things put together where it has to do with pedigree. Sometimes you get surprises. Sometimes you get everything everywhere all at once where you have unknown directors with you know Michelle Yeoh, who's been in the industry forever. You have Jamie Lee Curtis, who also won, who's been in the industry forever. Uh, Kike Kwan, I learned that name. Um, he also won Best Supporting Actor. He's you know from the Goonies, so that he's been you know. Then you have Brendan Fraser, who won for The Whale, which was an A twenty four film. You have to understand studios that really really push for this stuff. It's not just like the Universals and the Warner Brothers. You have to look at the ones that really go for awards, like A twenty four, which has become a behemoth in terms of award season. So it's a lot of factors, and I know I kind of threw a lot at you, but that's what we're looking for for awards films. No, but that's fascinating, and I love that you compared it to like NFL awards, because it's true. You know, it's when we talk about MVPs, when we talk about offensive player of the years, it's never, it's very rarely talked about that. It's going to be a player from the bottom. 
right from the bottom of the barrel teams you're exactly you know you're always looking at the chiefs you're always looking at the 49ers you know and i think the way you said if you find the studios that are that's that's what they're gearing towards i think that's fascinating because i never thought about it like that i just thought you know big director big movie of course they're going to be nominated but there's just there's different angles so i think that's fascinating so what are what are some of those newer you know you mentioned the obvious best director best actor that those are kind of like deflated value you know what what are the markets you're seeing nowadays with new options that are ones that you're, you you've been able to attack yeah definitely so some years it, it changes that's the fun part is it changes depending on the year sometimes like score is the one that you really want to go after the score is usually what you know the music you hear in the film but this year it's it's just so outweighed it's going to be oppenheimer cinematography is going to be oppenheimer but some years it is very very even uh this year you have to go really far down the the line because oppenheimer is sort of this just ball that's rolling down a hill and you can't really stop it but you have to look at things like production design and costume design like this year costume design is fascinating because you have Barbie, which everybody knows what Barbie is. They know the aesthetic. They know like that 1950s look. But then you also have Poor Things, which is the Emma Stone movie that's very like Victorian and gothic and a period piece. And it's good to understand sort of the psychology of the Academy because they tend to, this is for sort of an inside, you know, inside baseball, they tend to like to vote for period pieces because so much goes into it. You have to research what it looks like. You have to figure out, okay, does this fit the theme of the film? And then also, does it fit the theme of that time period they're trying to sort of show? So those are things that you kind of try to get an edge on. So like this year, again, uh, costume design, production design, and uh, like hair and makeup, those are all things that we're looking at uh, in, in this year. So yeah, I, I, I feel really good. Also like adapted screenplay, which is fun. That's, that's a fun, I have, I have really good ticket on that and I'm really excited. Ooh. I got, uh, anatomy of the fall at plus one seventy five, and they are currently at minus two fifty. So CLV baby, even if they lose. CLV. <laughs> See, I don't think even five years ago, if you were talking CLV and the Oscars, that would actually make sense to anybody, but I love it because I think, I mean, at least me, you know, the Oscars are coming around and now is when I would be thinking like, Oh, let me look at the odds. And yeah, you're right. You know, I was looking at things earlier and I'm like the things, at least I would think are going to win. They're all so big favorites. I'm like, why would I bet these things? But as you said, it's a market you can track all year round to actually profit it and actually make money. And you know that, and that's what a sports better does and whatever their uh, target sport is. And Hey, movies are your sport. And I respect that so much. (laughs) For sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, even like using that example, like going back to like, you know, MVP or Offensive Player of the Year. So you have to know when they have those big games, like when Lamar Jackson has a big game at the end of the season, that might actually sway. Like if he's playing Patrick Mahomes in the end of the season and it's between them two winning the MVP, who had a better performance at the end of the season? Because if they had that game in the early part of the season... Eh, you kind of forget about it. And if Lamar Jackson ends up getting like the one seed, he has a great, you know, great end of the season performances. Yeah, you kind of forget about him losing to Patrick Mahomes. But if it happens the right time in prime time, those are big moments to catch. And that's what I track for Oscar betting is, okay, this movie's going to come out. This movie's going to get a bump because now people have seen it and now people can bet it. Like Oppenheimer, before it opened, was, I believe, three or four to one which was not the favorite. The favorite was Killers of the Flower Moon, which we don't like saying favorites, but uh, it was like even money or plus 150 (laughs) shortest odds. And when Oppenheimer came out, it flipped to even money. So it it just have to sort of track those things. 
Also, when we have these big awards that ceremonies that come out, for example, Golden Globes, the SAGs, the Producers Guild Awards. Um, we also have big awards that are in the fall. And when people start winning awards, that's when odds start moving. So you have to know when to pounce on those. So uh, typically, just so you know for the future, uh, Best Picture odds usually come out around June and July, along with like Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, sort of the, the big ones. And then usually when we get to sort of like November is when we get supporting actor, supporting actress. And then when we get to January, when we actually have the nominations, that's when all of the category, all the categories are actually released. And that's when I pounced on it. I pounced on it basically the day of to catch those numbers before we got any further from, from nomination day. That's super cool. I am fascinated by all this right now. <laughs> yeah. My yeah, we, we mark like, it down. <laughs> no, that's totally cool. Cause I think, you know, have, I mean, that's how real sports betters track their sports. And I think, you know, just because something's labeled under entertainment possibly on DraftKings.com doesn't mean it's just for fun. Like it can actually be a market you can take advantage of, especially for someone who loves movies. I mean, I think that's yeah. what makes it so much more fun for you. I mean, you're not tackling something you don't enjoy. You're, you're, you are a, you are a, a student of film. And I love that. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's just like what you guys do in, te in like in tennis and uh, UNLV, UNLV, UFC. I went to UNLV. That's why I said that. Uh, but it's <laughs> shout really, out UNLV, guys, I guess. You you guys know all these like obscure. You have like you guys know the, the the known people. Like I know who like Carlos Alcaraz is, and I also know who like you know Nadal is. But I don't know like if they're in good form. I don't know if they have any you know crazy injuries. I just show up when it's Wimbledon. But you guys are showing up, you know when it's the Acapulco like classic or whatever it is, invitational. And it's even harder for you guys because you guys have to figure out like, okay, are they playing in this event, this event? Because there's like five events going on at once. So I think it all comes down to your highly specialized brain sort of shifting through all the, you know, the sands to find the best numbers. Same thing with UFC, uh, I think is, is really important. Yeah, and shout out Brian Ortega, the fighter also. You, yeah, you great know, victory I, for yeah, you I, last week, Brian. <laughs> I know I've, I've never been more popular than I was last week, where I was used on air, just saying, "Yeah, he's fighting tonight, tomorrow day, tomorrow, tomorrow." <laughs> so that was that was kind of funny. So speaking of your love on movies, you know what? Let's take it back to little Brian. What is it that you fell in love with? What like with movies? What made you fall in love with movies, cinematography, film? What happened? For sure. So um, I think a lot of people who get into film get into it, you know, differently. Like, for example, we know a guy named Dakota um, who he loves, you know, he loves making movies. He loves, you know, composing a shot. He loves, you know, grading all the you know, color grading that goes into it. He likes the technical aspect of it, but he hasn't seen as many movies as I have, which I haven't made any films like Dakota has, but I've seen a lot more movies than he has, um, which is, you know, it's, we're very different, but I enjoy the whole aspects of making movies. The, you know, the cinematography, having to work with a director, you know, all sort of marching towards this vision. But me personally, it was because I loved going to the movies. I love the whole experience of going to the movie theater, getting popcorn, sort of, you know, when I was a kid, it was just seeing something cool on screen. Uh, nowadays, as an adult, it really is escaping the real world, at least for an hour and a half. And really, especially, so I, I live alone, so... You don't always get to share things like you do with like your you know partner. Like, hey, this is what happened in my day today, or you know, I'm having a bad day, and you guys can talk it out. Sometimes, like, I go to the movies. I go to the movies to laugh. Sometimes I go to the movies and I cry. Like, I went to Iron Claw, and it was like the manliest cry you can have. 
But <laughs> in, I, what I think is great about movies, you know, now is that it makes you feel something. And if a filmmaker does a really good job doing that, they can make you experience all these emotions. And I think I just fell in love with just the world making that they can do. I even asked my mom today because I was like, hey, do you know what the first movie I ever saw? Because I can't remember. And it was probably a Disney movie. It was probably a cartoon. So I kind of just go back and forth on what was my first movie that I saw. So I'll have to continue to figure this out. But um, I've really become sort of uh, interested in older movies. So uh, when I say older movies, I'm saying 70s, you know, 60s. We have a guy, Britton Hess, right. that we talk to all the time, which he throws out like I don't obscure, think he sees. Like 19... Yeah, I don't. Shout out to Britton. Uh, I don't think he's seen a movie past like 1980. He just loves. Yeah, he's he's. Old he, I think he's. I think he's still stuck. <laughs> he watches in them on real. I think at home. <laughs> yeah, probably. Which is you know, it's very it's very you know, film boy of him. But no, I've gotten really into sort of how do they make that and how do they create these things in the 50s that they didn't have you know, CGI. They just had practical effects, which, I mean, I've watched Casablanca a lot of times. That's a 1941 film. I've watched Wizard of Oz, and everybody's sort of seen Wizard of Oz, but when you really get into it and how they made it, it's so, so interesting, just all the science that goes into making those old films. So overall, just I love the movie-making process, which is just so much fun. Yeah, I mean, those are those are all things that I fell in love with movies when I was younger. Why I studied film, it was just the world creation, the curiosity of how is that done. I mean, I was, you know, very similar. I used to collect, you know, I mean, shout out DVDs because they're gone now pretty much. But, I know, yeah. you know, I used to have crazy collections and it was something when I just walked into, when I walked in at the house, I would just throw a movie on and go about my business. Like I didn't care what, sometimes it would take a while to pick a movie, but, you know, you just throw something on and especially once like, and I mean, I'm kind of dating myself here, but like when like director's cuts became like new and really cool or like director commentary, I would watch those and just listen, which is like, it's crazy to think that you're listening to two things happening at the same time, watching this yeah. a movie like that. But they were fascinating to me because it was fascinating to know like what went into this 30 second shot, you know? And I think, you know, it's beautiful because exactly you're right as well is everyone has a love of movie in different ways, you know? Dakota is a yeah. great example of like it's crazy the things he hasn't seen considering how well he composes a shot. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so yeah, like, exactly. Like, how are you not I inspired just, by this? <laughs> ex exactly. Like, I just think I'm like, man, I just want you to see this particular shot, and I think this would help you so much in your filmmaking process. Because, because um, the thing is, is that I think the big difference between in, in making movies. Sorry, we're going back to this part of the conversation. Is like you can compose a shot. Very simple, not, not very simple, but like lighting, it's all very technical. But the thing that I'm talking about why I love movies is really the storylines and the feelings that you get from it when you put it all together. And you really have to know when to just say, I'm going to put the camera here and I'm going to watch this actor do this action and compose like, you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, you can't, you can't just have awesome music and like Hans Zimmer standing by, but all the aspects that go into making the film is is just a great awesome process to see so that's why i'm like just just watch this movie and it'll help you <laughs> yes and yeah we got guys like britain who are into the classics and you guys you got guys like me who are into just whatever's on i don't care throw right. it on i'll watch anything and everything i just love absorbing movies because i'm like you You know i used to be just like you i i, I was big into going to the movies by myself i used to because yeah. Mind you, I had a hookup. I had a connection. I had a buddy who worked sure. at the movie theater. So 
yeah. on Friday nights, I had to wait for him to be off for us to go hang out. So I would just go early, be like, all right, you're off in two hours. Perfect. I'm going to go watch a movie. Get me in, <laughs> and I'll hop out, thanks. and then we can go hang out. Yeah, exactly, thanks for the free for movie. Sure. Yeah, he'd get me free exactly. snacks too and everything. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm. Uh, yeah, movies are great. I love love film, and uh, the the reason I, I love betting on the Oscars, it's a way to tell people that you were right because you're never right when it comes to movies. It's the one thing that every. It's sort of like music. Like no one's like when you have a critique, it's like. There's no right or wrong answer, to be honest. But you know what is right or wrong is if you bet on the Oscars. So that's the time I get to be right. So let's go Lily Gladstone. Hopefully this comes out and everyone knows that I was on Lily Gladstone. Plus 110, baby. Let's go. What's, a no- what's one more ticket you got that you're just like super excited and waiting for that award to just be called out and you're like, told you. Mm. Uh, honestly... It, it it kind of is that one because uh, I the SAGs were just past you know those past couple of days and the SAGs are the biggest precursor to uh, the best you know the Oscars for best actor best actress all the acting categories and um, for some of them if you win it you're probably gonna win you know the big one and I was just waiting on bated breath and when they said Lily Gladstone I said yes I missed her whole half of her like acceptance speech because I was just saying I told you. So uh, the odds flipped, obviously. So now I'm excited for that one. I'm also excited for my um, uh, Anatomy of the Fall one because that's probably one of my bigger tickets. Uh, the longest shot I have is I'm Just Ken. It's the best song, uh, which uh, Ryan Gosling is supposed to perform it. And it's going up against another movie from Barbie, which is What Was I Made For by Billie Eilish, which is like a heavy favorite. She's like minus 600. And she also won a Grammy for Best Motion Picture Song. So um, I don't think I'm going to win that one, but that's a long shot. If it does hit, I'll be very, very excited. What a spin. Like, I can't imagine being, I mean, I'd love to imagine being Ryan Gosling, but I can't imagine having a song like I'm Just Ken put up with a Billie Eilish, because that, that song's great. Say what you want about Billie yeah. Eilish. Like, that song is amazing. But So this is where I'm going to let you just plug and say, where can people read your stuff, listen to you? Where can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter, Brian Ortega LV, where I just post a lot of just film stuff. So right now it's just filled with Dune things. But you can also catch me on Brian Ortega 26 on Instagram. And you can also follow me, Conscious Confidential underscore LV on Instagram, as well as tiktok which is at keys to vegas for any of my concierge confidential stuff but if you want specifically betting things uh you can find my articles on DraftKings nation where i usually post uh what i think is going to win for the oscars same thing on vcin.com where i write for both of those for this season awesome and i can't recommend your podcast enough uh especially for people who aren't in las vegas um it's just like i love the your the keys to vegas because it's really the keys on like what to do in this town when you get here, whether it's your first time, your 50th time, doesn't matter. Brian's got all the insight. And so one of my last questions, we're going to loop this back to sports a little bit, but if you're coming into town, what's the sports book to hit and what's a good spot to watch an event? Ooh, that's a really good question. If you don't mind sitting down and paying for it, um, especially if it's like, you know, the NFL or college, Circa's probably the place to go just because they have the biggest screens. You can also go to their, you know, their, uh, what do you call it, uh, Stadium Swim, which is great because you can just walk in, no, no charge, which is fantastic. Um, the other place, if you guys really want to be, you know, somewhere on the strip, um, always recommend, I mean, oh my goodness, there's so many. I mean, the win is great. Uh, the Bellage is a little bit small, so maybe not. Oh my goodness, I haven't been on the, sh- I was been, I've been on the strip, but I haven't walked through a lot of the sports books in a while, so you like kind of put me on the spot. But 
I don't know. I would go to the win. Just go to the win. It's a good, good little spot. Uh, Caesars is cool. You can sit at the bar, just look at the screens. But really, I tell this to everybody for the Super Bowl. If you're here in a, in a year from now, um, if you're just one person, do not make a reservation. Just go to any of the high limit bars. They will definitely show the movie. Sorry, show the game while you're there. And hey, you don't have to spend three thousand dollars. Exactly. I'm sorry. We we've mixed so many topics here, but it's all related to each other, and it's a beautiful thing. Of course. <laughs> so yeah, my thanks, last Rob, question I really before I let you leave. You. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I love talking all this stuff. I love movies. So any way I can incorporate movies and sports, it's, it's, a, it's, it's so fun. It's so fun. And so my last question to you, and I only thought of this because I asked Kelly Bidlin, who you can listen to episode one. Um, and because I know even though you're into true art and true films, you also secretly love Fast and Furious. And I appreciate <laughs> that about you. And yeah. so my question to Kelly was, out of that whole crew, who would be the best sports better? Oh, who would be the best sports better? Um, I would say Han is probably the best yeah. sports better because he always has a plan and Ooh. he's very strategic. Everybody else a little bit too crazy. Um, and then RIP Paul Walker. I think he would be good at it, but I feel like Paul Walker wouldn't like you know actually bet a lot. I feel like he would just sit back and let it happen. But I think Han would be down for it. And hey, he didn't get that you know that shop in Tokyo just by you know being good at racing cars. That's true. You, we we don't know his past. He's he's a mysterious man. Right. Who do you think would be just the complete degenerate out of the crew? Oh, complete. Oh, I mean, it's it's got to be Tyrese. I forget his name. Uh, what's his name in the movie? I totally forgot. Uh, Roman Pierce. Roman Pierce. Yeah, Roman Pierce, complete degenerate. Oh, you know what? Actually, uh, what was Ludacris's <laughs> name in that movie? T- Tig. Tig would also uh, be a re- Tej. 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 Tej would also be a really good sports better. So him and Han together would open up their own sports book because they are smart and they go behind the counter, not in front of the counter. I love it. Thank you so much, Brian. Man, it was a blast talking movies, talking sports. Check out Concierge Confidential. And thank you again, man. Thank you, Rob. I want to say thanks once again to my guy, Brian Ortega, for hopping on the pod, talking movies, talking Vegas. It was a great time. And make sure to follow him on social media at Brian Ortega LV. You can also follow him at Keys to Vegas. And make sure to listen to his podcast, Concierge Confidential. It's a great listen for all things Vegas. If you live here, if you're visiting, he's talking places to drink, places to eat, places to hang, places to bet. It's a great listen. So check it out. And make sure to keep subscribing, like, rate, review this podcast, A Better Mind. Follow me on social media at TheRobio. Thank you once again. Catch you next time.